The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're absolutely in the right place. We are revisiting a topic from a couple weeks ago. So much to talk about, I had to invite the panel back. We're talking about the road to IoT. I hope you're not scratching your head, but IoT is the Internet of Things. And we're talking today about introducing IoT into the enterprise part two. Let me get started with our topic. Hey, if you haven't introduced IoT into your organization or you've just kind of dipped your toe in the water or taken a few baby steps, here's a heads up. You may look at this and say, wow, we're going to put sensors into everything. This is cool. This is easy. We have to tell you there's a hard part that comes after that. You have to map them, figure out their interrelationships, and it's not done then. You have to draw knowledge from them. They have to tell you something you didn't know before. So there are other rules of the road. You have to justify in your budget, in your financial bottom line, why are you doing IoT? You might have to take your BYOD, bring your own devices policies, and shift them to BYOT things. You better be prepared to stay afloat in the data sea that comes from all this stuff that's coming from the sensors. And then, of course, we've got a couple of potholes along the way. Privacy, security, machines are talking, sensors are talking, but people are involved somewhere along the line. You have to protect them. I have my panel back, three very smart gurus. I I call them that because they deserve it. Let's get started. I'm going to first welcome Paul Madsen. He's the principal technical architect within the office of the CTO at Ping, Ping Identity. I had to say that, Paul. Forgive me. And Paul sent me a quote from Suzanne Collins. Suzanne Marie Collins, if you don't know, is an American TV writer and novelist, best known as, wait for it, author of the New York Times bestselling series, The Underland Chronicles, and The Hunger Games. You've all heard of that. Born in 1962, and I say that for a reason. Here's the quote. Because sometimes things happen to people, and they're not equipped to deal with them. Paul Madsen, welcome back. How are you today? I'm very good, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Happy to be Great. here. Oh, delighted. Great quote from Suzanne Collins. Tell me how this relates to Internet of Things, bringing it into the enterprise. Well, uh, so the quote appealed to me kind of on two, two fronts. First is, and you acknowledged it, is, is the implication of enterprises needing to be prepared, right? And, mm-hmm. and the quote even, I think, suggests the inevitability of the IoT, right? These are, this is coming whether enterprises want to deal with it or not. So, yes, we need to be prepared, and, and hopefully we can talk about that today. But, but the other um, appeal of the quote was that I discovered that this quote 
you know, more so than something from Shakespeare or for some, some of the great philosophers is the most highlighted quote um, in the world that Kindle owners use to, to highlight. So this meaningless line from popular mm-hmm. culture, <laughs> a throwaway novel for some, is the most um, attributed and uh, underlined line of all novels of all time. Somewhat sad, I think. It kind of is. But but what I'm most intrigued with in this quote, Paul, is the fact that it says they're not equipped to deal with them. Things happen. Now, no company is just going to find one day they wake up, they walk in the office and say, gee, we've got 10,000 sensors sending us data. How did that happen? Or maybe... Somebody in the organization might have that happen to them because somebody else forgot to tell them. Is that reality or am I making up fiction here? Well, um, you know, to some extent, and you hinted at it in your, in your intro, is, is the BYOD trend will likely mm-hmm. see something similar in, in the IoT. So, so things are going to start sneaking into the enterprise, whether or not IT you know, invites them in or not. So to some extent, and uh, as I said, I think it's somewhat inevitable that um, the enterprise is going to be confronted with things, and so it's a matter of how they how they deal with that. Do they get out ahead of it and you know plan accordingly, or or wait for the wave? Thank you very much. I like that waiting for the wave. Your choice of Suzanne Collins is very interesting, and I will explain more. I told you and the other panelists off air. So let's turn to our second panelist, welcoming back also Benjamin. He lets me call him Ben because we've spoken so many times on the radio. Ben Robbins, principal and co-founder of Palador. And Ben sent a quote from Cervantes. That's what we call mononymously, meaning single name. He was a Spanish novelist, poet, and playwright, but... Those of you who aren't familiar with him, his magnum opus, his work, his Colefta Roman was Don Quixote, which is considered the first modern European novel. It's a classic of Western literature, and it's regarded among the best works of fiction ever written. And he died in 1616. So here we have Suzanne Collins, born in 62, 1962, and we have Cervantes died in 1616. But I'll tell you more later. The quote is, to be prepared is half the victory. Ben Robbins, welcome back. How are you? I'm awesome. No, I appreciate you uh, having us all back. We, uh, I felt like we barely scratched the surface last time, so it's great to get a, uh, a second at bat here. Our pleasure. So tell me, Cervantes, you're, you brought somebody up from way in the past, and would he turn over in his grave if he knew he was being talked about and quoted on a business talk radio show on the Internet, Ben? Tell me the truth. <laughs> well, I would hope that he would at least be uh, somewhat flattered that we're at least trying to leverage his... Uh, some of his insight into um, uh, some, uh, you know, getting uh, IT on the right track. And really, you know, the reason I picked the quote is if you, if you think about IoT and you think about the number of possible combination of things to things to things to things, it really, it really becomes, you know, uh, exponentially kind of mind-numbing, right? And the possibilities are endless. The use cases are endless. Um, and and to try to guess and can, you know consider all those possibilities ahead of time is is really mind numbing. So instead of you know in in working towards getting those use cases and working towards understanding what your users need, instead of trying to nail it down and get it all right, it's better to be prepared and to take measures that would allow for a flexible. Um, 
uh, infrastructure that allow for adaptation, that allow for evolution, and to be prepared for those those connections of things to things that that, that you don't you haven't even you, you didn't even imagine that two people would think that they would put together, but that if you're prepared, you're already kind of halfway there, and that you can um, you know uh, alter your path as as needed on the fly. Isn't that the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. I know. The one, actually, that was funny you bring that up. I, I thought of that as well. I'm like, well, I could just do be prepared. It is, is much clearer, but I thought I'd try a little more highbrow, unlike Paul, I, unlike Paul and his throwaway track, fiction. Oh, boy. Here we go. It's starting. But most interesting to me, Ben, is the fact that the Cervantes quote has the word victory in it. And, and we could talk about that later, especially in the roundtable conversation part of the show, about the victory of entering the age of IoT, properly mapping out your plan and your path to incorporate it in, in the enterprise and doing it right so you gain some value to it from it. So we'll talk about that later. Thank you, Ben, and welcome back again. And joining the party is our other third panelist from Part 1. This is Brian M. Katz. He leads the End User Experience and Innovation at Oh, Ben, uh, Brian, remind me, is it Sanofi or Sanofi? How am I pronouncing it? You can use whichever way you'd like, Bonnie. Oh, but I want to make you happy. Well, how do we want to call the company? Sanofi? <laughs> Quite honestly, I hear both ways it works, so. All right, we'll be Sanofi then. Okay, so Brian sent me a quote from Albert Einstein, and this rounds out a, a marvelous trilogy of quoted people on the show. Uh, those of you who have been living under a rock for a long time, Einstein was a German-born theoretical physicist and a philosopher of science, and in case you didn't hear, he developed the general theory of relativity, one of the two pillars of all of modern physics. He died in 1955. Interesting, he died seven years before Suzanne Collins was born. I thought this was just a marvelous uh, who's who of people worth quoting, I think, and we'll give Paul credit, even though somebody commented on a throwaway quote from pop culture. There you go. Brian M. Katz sent me the following Einstein quote. You have to learn the rules of the game, and then you have to play better than anyone else. That sounds like a, a war cry. Talk to me, Brian. How did Albert Einstein get here with us today? Well, you know, everybody's talking about IoT, and they're talking about sensors, and you know, for the three of us that you have on as guests, we all, we've seen this game before in mobile, and it's still being played out. And everybody's trying to get ahead in mobile, everybody's trying to get ahead in IoT and in sensors, and yet very few people have even figured out what the rules of the game are. And, you know, if you think about it right now, your car has hundreds of sensors in it. Most people mm -hmm. don't know that with a simple dongle, that they plug into on one of their carports, they can get that information on their computer or their smartphone. And when you get to work, all the machinery you have, everything that people's using, um, your phones themselves will track how many steps you take, all these other things about you. But what do you do with all that information? Mm -hmm. And how do you use that information to make you better at your business? Because again, if we're talking about in the business and not for, not for personal use, how do we take advantage of all this data and all these sensors that are out there? And how do we ask the right questions? And how do we learn to play the game so we can actually profit and get better at it and be better than anybody else? And the companies that are actually spending the time to learn that are the ones that are going to um, be at the forefront as we move forward. 
So my question to you, Brian, and thank you for that, is learn to play better than anyone else. If everybody is ramping up and there's excitement and everybody is learning at the footsteps of whatever this new pillar of IoT is and they're learning from whoever the pros are at the beginning of this trend, which I know has been around for many years, but is really gaining a lot of traction and excitement now, will everybody be on exactly the same playing field or will there be people who play it better? What do you see, Brian? Oh, I definitely think there are going to be people that play it better. And, you know, I, I'll take GE, you know, I'll pick on GE for a second. GE's been doing this forever. Um, they've been putting sensors in their machines and their engines and everything else that they do. And they've been using that data to figure out how to build their stuff better, how to make better, you know, how to make better assembly lines, how to design things better. And, you know, they're steps ahead of the game and people are starting to catch up. But the question becomes, what, what is GE doing right now that we don't know about to move three or four more steps ahead? So while we're catching up to where they were, where are they going in the future? And I think you're going to see a lot of people who aren't necessarily talking about what they're doing, but are doing a lot. That's to, what I wanted to, to know. Yep. Go ahead. Also, to GE's credit, Brian, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you know, is that not only are they ahead, but they're seeing the value of the infrastructure they built out to get ahead and starting to make that available to, to others, um, you know, to, to be able to build on what GE's already laid in place. Absolutely. I mean, Paul, Paul, that's a great point because the people who are the pioneers in some of this stuff are actually figuring out how to monetize the knowledge that they already have as they pass it along. And as they build those platforms, it actually enables them themselves to move further ahead. Yep. Thank you. Good. And now I have a question for the three of you. Paul, we're going to go back to you. You know what's coming. What are you drinking right now? What's in your cup today? Or what are you going to be drinking to celebrate, I hope, after we're off the air? Paul Madsen, talk to me. Uh, I'm drinking nothing at the moment, but I'm, I'm looking forward to um, a beer afterwards. Um, uh, one of the standards activities that I participate in called the FIDO Alliance is having an upcoming meeting in Dublin. Um, and so sort of in acknowledgement and to look forward to, to some of the Guinness beer that I'll almost inevitably drink in Dublin, uh, I think I'll enjoy one of those later today. Well, thank you, and it's getting to be a smaller and smaller world the more of these radio shows I do, and I'm doing two a day a couple times a week now. Today, Sam Yen from SAP called in from you know where, Dublin, Ireland. So there, Uh the world is coming together. Okay, Ben Robbins, what are you drinking or what are you thinking about? I tell you what, Bonnie, uh, after spending the last few days in Vegas, I am drinking water. There's nothing like (laughs) the dry... Kind of semi, you know, oxygen, uh, over oxygenated, uh, sorry, oxygenated, smoke tinged, f- smells infused air to want you just to have water and nothing else. I literally, I have abandoned the short coffee for today. I am just sucking down water because, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I need. Not to mention a, be- a beer or two each evening, you know, leaves you a little dry as well. Well, you sound so healthy. I just can't believe it, Ben. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. So I have to ask you, is it bottled water? Is there a special brand? Does it have a pretty label? Is it tap water? Come on, what kind of water? Actually, uh, I, I did buy a bottle of water at the uh, airport. I don't normally buy bottled water, but um, if I get uh, thirsty on a plane, waiting these days waiting for someone to come around and offer you something uh, or you know, getting back there to get it yourself is uh, 
We can't all sit in first class, Bonnie. So uh, I have water <laughs> from the plane is what I have. Well, I'm glad we have that rule of the road. Thank you very much, Ben Robbins. Brian M. Katz, what are you drinking? Well, to be fair, I'm drinking water right now, but I'm actually looking forward to after the show and a bit, little bit later tonight, um, I am going to be trying a pear cider. So I, I'm a big cider drinker and um, came across some pear cider that I'm going to be trying a little bit later tonight. That's called Is a peri, a, by the way. It's called what's what? that? A peri. It's called a peri. A pear cider yeah. is called a I, I learned this too just recently. I have a friend spell who... Spell it. Spell it. Yeah. P-E-R-R-Y are we talking? Well, don't ask me how to spell. I'm a terrible yes, speller, but I know it's called a peri. I'm going to have to look that up. Wow. And how do you make, or is there a label to it? Is there a brand to it? Uh, there are many different brands. I'm trying a fox catcher. Here we go. Perry is an alcoholic beverage made from fermented pears. It has been common for centuries in England, particularly in the three counties of Gloucester, Harrods, Fershire, I'm sorry, and Worcestershire. That I can say. And in parts of South Wales and France, especially Normandy and Anjou. In most recent years, commercial Perry has been referred to as pear cider. But some organizations like Camera, C-A-M-R-A, do not accept this as a name for the traditional drink. And I will leave it at that. I'm pretty fast on my Wikipedia, so gentlemen, we have covered that base. Listen, I think you all deserve a break so you can take a sip of something good and healthy. We're talking today with Paul Madsen at Ping Identity, Ben Robbins at Palador, and Brian M. Katz at Sanofi. I think I'm saying it the same way I did before. We're talking about the road to IoT. That's the Internet of Things. Introducing IoT into the enterprise. We're talking about something important to every company out there. Even if you're a startup, you're mid-sized, low-end SMB, you are a gigantic enterprise, and this is just coming across your horizon. You need to hear what my gurus have to say. We'll be right back with a 30-minute roundtable nonstop, and Paul Madsen has the honor of kicking off the roundtable conversation. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to the Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. We are live. It's Wednesday, February 25th, 2015, and don't even think about touching that app, that mouse, that dial, however you're listening. We'll be right back. Back. Mad out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram 
at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Welcome back, and we're talking about the road to Internet of Things, introducing IoT into the enterprise part two. I want to direct your attention to Twitter. If you're a Twitter file or you're somebody who's just starting out, go to hashtag SAP Radio, and you can see that not only are my panelists talented enough to talk on live radio, they're also tweeting at the same time. So check out Palador Benjamin, check out BM Cats, and you've got a little bit of, uh, here I am, as Game Changers, Biz break radio in there so come and join the twitter party we'd love you to join us we're ready for our round table 30 minutes non-stop paul madsen has the honor of kicking us off and kicking us into the round table i should say paul you sent me some notes before the show and here's something i think will be a great jumping in point you say your employees to anybody who is is running a company your employees will have relationships in quotes, relationships with devices owned by your business partners and your customers. And their employees will have relationships with your devices. And then here's a two-word warning. You say, manage that. What does this all mean, Paul Madsen? Why don't you expand for us? Sure. Um, so firstly, I, I, I you know, used relationship intentionally because I think relationships mm-hmm. are a useful model uh, or a construct for, for modeling the, the interactions that, that are going to occur more and more, um, and we're used to interactions be- between employees, the sort of social interactions and, and managing that through groups and roles and, and various applications. But, but more and more, uh, users, employees, customers are also going to have to interact with other things, whether they're the wearables that they uh, bring on their body or their phones or printers in the office or factory equipment, uh, et cetera, anything that, anything that we can imagine having a sensor. Um, some human will need to interact with that. And relationships, I think, are a useful way to model that and apply rules around that, um, apply rules as to what humans can do against what things, right, whether it's read their data or modify their data, et cetera. Um, so relationships, I think, are useful, and, and I think they're a useful way of thinking about lots of use cases that are going to have uh, cross-domain implications, right? Inevitably, your employees are going to interact with your things within the firewall, uh, if you even believe in firewalls anymore. But mm-hmm. but the perimeter is is porous. Everybody recognizes that. Uh, no longer do you just have to support your employees. You've got to support business partners, uh, customers, contractors, etc. And all of them will have, will have their own things. So you've got to think about managing that sort of second tier of things that you never bought. Um, somebody else purchased. They may not support the same radio networking protocols that you tried to standardize within your own enterprise, but here comes a, here comes a bunch of Zigbee devices and you've bet on Wi-Fi. So, so the scale problem that, that everybody talks about in IoT, I think is just going to be amplified by those, those additional um, relationships that cross those borders. Thank you. Ben Robbins, thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Paul brings up an, an awesome point about um, relationships and you know our relationship to things. And uh, you know I think if you kind of play out 
where um, you know some of these technologies, um, think Siri, um, you know Cortana, whatever, you know on your Xbox, <clears throat> that where you are interacting with a thing and it's becoming more and more of a personal assistant, and that relationship, mm-hmm. you know, I want to say deepens. Let's say part, you, the partnership goes deeper and it does more things for you automatically. And it really, you know, as Paul was pointing out, that it, it, the, you know, the notion of being outside the firewall, that it just sits, you know, you have this thing that you interact with that sits across lots of different organizations and lots of different things in your life, right? Because it, it makes sense from a use case perspective that if you have a personal assistant that's a thing that's helping you, you know, organize your time, organize, you know, your travel, organize, that, that, it, that it doesn't sit within the box of work, right, that, that it sits across many boxes in your life and it, and, it, and it goes with you as a continuum rather than as a distinct event, that, that getting that, you know, getting that thing and lots of other things that you're having that relationship with, um, uh, both understanding, you know, what data it, it understands about you, what it understands from a pattern perspective, mm-hmm. right, because part of the intelligence behind those things will be capturing your movements and habits and patterns from a, from a day-to-day perspective. So what, what elements of work end up in that, you know, what elements of personal data ends up in that? And I think it's going to be increasingly harder to separate, you know, to separate those things. And so I, I think that, you know, I think that Paul, I really like the way that he's approaching it from a relationship perspective because I, I think that that becomes a, a much more tangled web and then we can even imagine, you know, today I think we're just barely, barely even starting to have relationships with our with our things. Thank you, Ben. I'm just looking back at Paul's notes from part one we covered recently, and, and one of the comments here, he said, things will have identities, and identities have relationships. So just wanted to bring that in. Brian Katz, love to have you join us. What do you think? Well, you know, it's interesting because I was going to hit the identity piece because, you know, that's the world that Paul comes from. Mm-hmm. but. As we start looking at this, and you know, Ben brings up these personal assistants, when we blend work and home, A, where's the line? But what happens when you change jobs? And who owns that assistant, and does it forget? Mm-hmm. How do you make it forget the information from your first job and then bring the information from your second job? There may be proprietary stuff. You, know, you have meetings and all, and the question becomes, how do you handle all that? And what do you do about that? And... It's an interesting question because these sorts of relationships and these sorts, you know, these sorts of assistants, they cover everything. You know, it's, I have a dentist appointment. You know, I have my daughter's soccer games. Oh, I have a meeting about IoT later. Or I have a meeting about some super secret project we're doing with IoT with one of our medicines or something else, and how does that work? And then when I go somewhere else, does it still have that information? And that's part of where identity and how we interact with that and who owns that assistant starts to become very important. Interesting. Um, So we're mixing identities, relationships. It sounds like these sensors are actually coming to life through our lives. Very interesting concept. Paul, you want to wrap this part of the conversation up? Anything you want to add to what Ben and Brian just added to your? Yeah, I I like what both Benjamin and, and Brian said and what it what it made me think of, and, and this is true, I think, of everything that a human will interact with. There, you know, we, we effectively delegate to that thing certain rights to act on our behalf. For a wearable, it's the right to push my step data up to the cloud. For a Siri or a Cortana, it's, it's the ability, you know, at 
at the trivial level is to, to search on my behalf. But as they become, as they become more powerful and um, actually able to perform operations on my behalf, then that delegation of rights, that consent step is pretty important. And as Brian pointed out, it's also pretty important to be able to revoke those permissions at some point, you know, when, when that thing is no longer uh, acting on your behalf and needs to act on behalf of somebody else. Paul, how are we going to remember all of these identities of all of these things that we had relationships with at some point a year or even six months or five years down the road? You change a job, you move, you get divorced, you get remarried, and things were attaching to your identity and relationships with other things. How are we going to keep track? Any idea? I think there's a model for how we'll stay in control with uh, Facebook and Google, etc. There's lots of different third-party services and apps that you can hook into your Facebook account or your Google account. And when you do so, you're able to give them typically some set of permissions against your Facebook account. Like maybe they can read your your social stream and your friends but not post, etc. And all of those services give the user the ability to sort of go into their settings and Mm -hmm. view those third-party apps that they've chosen to hook up and, and when relevant, revoke those permissions. So I think we need something similar. We'll have something similar, that sort of dashboard in our house to keep track of what things are in the house, what permissions we've given them, can the thermostat talk to the furnace, et cetera, and and to be able to manage and control those. And, and Paul, this, and is, Brian, this yep. is Brian. I think one of the things that you bring up and I think that we're going to start seeing in the future is a lot more granularity around those controls. I mean, today, if you install an Android app or you join Facebook or you, know, you, you attach something to these things, they give you a laundry list, but you can't say, yes, do this and this, but don't do these three things. And I think that you know, this dashboard you're talking about, I do think we're going to see it. And I think we're going to get more granularity around those controls so that we can actually be tighter about those relationships and make people show that they actually need them. Yeah, I actually, I, I actually disagree with you, Brian, and normally I'm like totally spot on with you, but I think that the problem, I mean, that, that sounds a bit like kind of a Linux mindset where you're like, the, you know, the more settings and configurations I can have, the better my life will be. Most users are totally lost when they go to, like if I ask my wife to go, and this isn't an insult to my wife, or, I mean anybody, right, like mom, anybody, <laughs> they go to like the, the settings page on Facebook, there's so many options on there that they are like, uh, I don't care, and they just pick something. You know, they pick it out of mm-hmm. out of like just giving up desperation. That, desperation, <laughs> right? And I think that they need to get. I think that I, maybe for admins, Brian, you, you may be right that the admins have that level of control. But for the end users and what they're seeing, and it, it, you need systems that are smart enough to start kind of with uh, you know least kind of least privileges and or you know open privileges and then work towards understanding their usage understanding their patterns and uh, you know security comes through understanding the person and, and intelligence rather than than hitting on settings and and you know we're not going to get there in a second and yeah there'll be some mistakes but I, I, I can't see the common user or you know end users sitting there and and trying to manage trying to manage uh, lot of levels of configuration too fully get you with Facebook because I've had my own troubles with Facebook and right. my wife actually got her Facebook account just a couple of weeks ago uh, finally after you know stalling for 10 years but I also think that there's a problem with language 
You know, when you, when, you know, for example, and we've all seen it, you put a flashlight app on your phone, and it wants access to the microphone and, and the camera. Right. Yeah. And you're seeing it going, and it's buried, you know, you have to scroll all the way down to see the 20 permissions. I think what we're going to see is a common language of what it can and can't do, and it may be, I think you're right, if there are 20 things there, it becomes difficult, but I also think that we can build a common language of three or four things to make it easy for people to understand. Kind of like, you can see my data, but you can't share it. I think most people will understand that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You can write to my timeline or you can't. I, mm-hmm. Because I do agree with you. I think that a lot of people take this way too far. I think that there actually needs to be a common language to allow you to do this and to build relationships. Yeah, so I, think I, about I agree. I think there's a middle ground between blanket, binary, yes or no, you know, install and approve everything and that full checklist. Uh, and, of course, we're talking about the enterprise, right? So a lot yes. of these privacy slash consent operations are not as critical as in the consumer world. I want to, this is Bonnie, I want to take this back into our enterprise topic, and I'm looking at Ben Robbins' discussion notes he sent me before the show. Ben, I'm going to read a couple of statements here, and I think this is going to be a good extension of where we just came from on the things and identities and relationship side, so bear with me for a second. Ben said, IoT in the enterprise is a really broad, far-reaching concept that is difficult for many people to nail down. Okay, let's put that on one side of the table. Then he says, the number of possible combinations between things processes and people is exponentially greater than when all we had to worry about was a database, PCs, and the end user. So how far out of the realm of people grasping this? We've just been talking about something as simple as how do you control your settings on Facebook. Now we're talking about things, processes, people in the enterprise. A lot of people, a lot of need for control and understanding Who's doing what and talking to what and where is the information going and what do we get from it? So, Ben, how far out are we from this being just, okay, I'm an enterprise, I get it, I'm going to do it right from the get-go? Where is that, where is that continuum? Well, you know, there's a great picture floating around on the web of, um, you, know, you know, what iOS develop, development looks like versus Android development. And I, and I start with this just to kind of show how, how quickly you can get out of control. So the picture, you know, for iOS development has, you know, like a couple devices, right? It had like the four and the five or, you know, a couple devices. Then, then when it got to the picture of the devices for Android development, I mean, it literally was, think like, you know, a, a I don't know, a 15, 20-foot conference room table full of devices. And mm. that's, just, that's just mobile devices, right? That's something that we feel like, oh, we, we, we get mobile, right? We got our head around that. That's, you know, it's this little thing that I carry around in my pocket and, uh, you know, I understand that. Now think it could be anything from the HVAC unit on top of your building to, you know, the boiler down in the basement, and you've got all the things in between. You know, your sense of, of oh, I got this, and I, and I understand it, you're, you're fooling yourself. And, um, you know, it's definitely, it's not an instantaneous on, right? I mean, it's as, as systems come online, but there's just way too many advantages to not, to, to have these things not connected, to have these things um, not spitting out data, to, to leave it, um, you know, to leave them kind of just as it, as it was. Um, actually, it was great yesterday. I was at the IBM uh, Interconnect Conference, and, you know, one of the, the demos that they were showing was, um, you know, this powerboat racing where they had the throttleman there 
you know, talking about the number of census in, just in the boat, right? I think it was, I don't know, like 200 or something. I mean, it was some crazy number just of like heat sensors. And, and, and so when you have this many things sending data left, right, and center, your sense of being able to grasp that will, will yeah, you'll be, it's kind of delusional. It's, how about this, going back to my uh, Cervantes quote, it would be quixotic to think that you could. Ah, I love that, Ed Quixotic. Very good. Or Quixotic, maybe. We'll have to think about Perry or Perry. Brian Katz, join us. Thoughts on have things changed that dramatically from database PCs and end users to devices to database users to users connecting to machines? Where do you think we are? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I think, you know, Ben brings up a comic and another one that's been, uh, on the internet recently is a BYOD one which says, I think BYOD has gone a little bit too far and it's a picture of a person with a car parked in their cube and people are bringing all their devices in and they're connecting them and you know so it becomes very interesting because I saw the same demo that um, Ben did yesterday and they were looking at the um, driver's heart rate they were trying to see when they were overstressed, giving a warning. They were looking at, you know, whether he was in heat stroke and all this. And I think that one of the things you see here is it becomes a big data question. How do you ask the right questions? And, again, how do you draw a relationship between those 200 sensors to give a coherent picture to someone who has to make the decisions? And when you start mm-hmm. looking at it that way, you know, it goes back to the first topic of relationships, but how do you map those relationships? And then how do you make sense of that map so you know where you're going and you can use that map to actually get there? You know, it, it goes back to, you know, if we look at the quote that I gave you, again, it's how do you play the game better? Because, mm-hmm. you know, once you start figuring out the rules, you've got to take advantage of those rules. And, you know, Ben is 100% right. There are just so many sensors, and a lot of them have been there forever. And we're talking about putting even more sensors out there, getting more data, and how do we react to that? Um, I think someone brought it up in the first um, show that we did, but if you take a look at a single jet engine, an hour of time of a jet engine, if I remember correctly, is it one petabyte of information that it generates? And what do you do with all that data? And that's mm-hmm. just a huge amount of data, and you have to figure out how to do that. And then think about the fact that, you know, a 747 may have four engines on the plane. And what do you, you know, okay, what, what do you give the pilot for that? How do they know how to react? Exactly. I have a, uh, somebody mentioned cartoons, I think. We were talking about diagrams. Uh, ben, I googled BYOD, just out of curiosity, BYOD cartoons, and surprisingly, yeah. I found a cartoon by none other than SAP's own Timo Elliott, who's going to be on one of my Game Changer shows next week, and it's called The Man Who Confused BYOD with BYOB, and he's holding a bottle of wine to his ear, and it says, The New Galaxy Sauvignon 3. And he's saying, trying to say to someone, no, it doesn't have a removable battery, but my consumption is moderate. So there's a shout out to Timo Elliott. Never expected to find a cartoon. I didn't even know he did cartoons. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, Paul Madsen, we have to get you in on this conversation. What do you think? Uh, so, so Ben highlighted the, you know, the sort of combinatorial explosion when when everything is talking to everything. I can't help but sort of look at that from my bias of, of identity. How are those things going to be identified? How are they going to be authenticated? Uh, data 
would be of no use if we didn't know its provenance, you know, i.e. that it came from a particular sensor. So how do we track that? How do we do that when some of those things are owned by us, i.e. the enterprise, and some are owned by a business partner where we didn't issue them their identities or credentials? How do we do that without passwords on, on all those devices? How can we create a scalable identity model for all those multiple things talking to each other and inevitably the applications that, that want to make sense of all their data. That, to me, is, you know, is the challenge um, you know, view, viewed from my world. Ben, you want to say anything? Or Brian, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Paul, you know, the other thing that comes up with that is as people are carrying around all these enterprise devices and all, and we talk about identity, we should be able to use the amount of devices they have and what it learns about a person to actually get rid of passwords and make it easier to authenticate and easier to do things. And, you know, it's sort of a different approach of, hey, how do we identify these things, but how can we use these things to actually identify people as well, which I think brings us back to your original statement, which is all about relationships. Yeah, preaching, preaching to the choir, Brian. Yeah, uh, we talk about the security challenges of IoT in the enterprise, but there's a huge security opportunity that, that you highlight, using things to facilitate our authentication into the network, into the enterprise, and as you say, hopefully reduce or maybe eventually get rid of passwords. That's the and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't introduce like a, a, some new level of actual business process into the enterprise in the sense that because of the volume, um, you know, maybe it's, it's a role, maybe it's, you know, maybe, maybe it's just a straight-up process, but because of the volume and the, 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 possi- uh, the possibilities of connections, that, you know, someone is going to, to, to manage and understand that. How do you document that? How do you communicate that? How do you keep track of that, right? I mean, think about it as a living organism. Uh, that is going to present, I think, a whole new way of thinking that will need to be, uh, you know, a- adapted into the, the, the current IT um, climate. I, I think it definitely changes how we think about authentication of employees, right? The current model is you, you start your day and you log into Active Directory and you get, you get a couple of cookies in your, in your browser and off you go. Um, if our things, if our wearables, our smartwatches, our phones that we have with us throughout the day can report on our context, our location, what network we're on, um, then, then we enable a much smoother, continuous model for authentication, one where explicitly logging in with a password becomes less and less frequent and far more usable for the user. Well, it, it becomes, you know, you step up to a machine and it's where you left it even if it's not the same machine you were at. Yep. So you walk away from your desktop and you walk to a kiosk mm-hmm. or you walk into a conference room and it recognizes you because you're the hands on the keyboard. It sees your phone. Maybe it sees your Fitbit or whatever else you have on. And it says, okay, you're you, and we know you're in the building, you know, three offices down, and we know that you're not there anymore, so it makes sense to move your context to here. Yep. And, you know, we haven't started talking about context, but I think that, that you know, those relationships and that context is what leads to that, those sorts of um, advances. Yep. Not, Thank not you. Only now, you were, oh, I just didn't go ahead. Thing. No, Brian, go ahead, Ben. Make your point. Yep. 
not only does it know that you, uh, you know, it, watch, it knows you're walking the whole time. It, it's not like you were there and now you're here as they are two, as if they were two distinct things. I mean, it will be a, it will be a continuous stream that it just knows that you yeah, are. Yeah, if it weren't continuous, then that might be a, a flag uh, to some right, risk engine. Exactly. Well, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. When I invent teleportation, I, Paul, that's when it will happen. Change the policy. Quantum teleportation is already there, Pen. Yeah. We'll have to come back and do another show. Now, before we, I don't think we're going to take a break. There's just too much fun and too much to talk about here. Brian Katz, I'm looking at your notes here, and somebody mentioned the word choir a few minutes ago, preaching to the choir. Now, I'm thinking about a Tower of Babel, or Babel, however you like to pronounce it, based on one of your notes here. Let me read it, and then, Brian, you'll introduce it, and we will get Ben and Paul on this. You say there's so many sensor and device manufacturers, and what we see right now is none of them speak the same language. Question, how do we overcome this burden? Should we talk about this for a minute, Brian? Oh, absolutely. Um, there are a lot of different standards out there. You know, we're used to, in the enterprise, dealing with Wi-Fi. And we're actually pretty good at that. Although, to be, you know, to be fair, and the show's not about this, we're not ready for the number of devices that are currently connecting to Wi-Fi. Um, we see it in our office. I know others see it in their offices. That is, people bring more and more devices, phones, tablets, and when you start adding, you know, sensors and the like, it becomes interesting on how many can actually, how many can a hotspot support, because they don't all have plugs anymore. Well, the same thing happens as you add more and more sensors. Some of them are Bluetooth enabled, so you need a Bluetooth receiver, and that Bluetooth receiver also has to be able to get on the network to put that information somewhere. Then you have Zigbee, which is a um, another format of doing the data, and there are a couple. You know, you look at there are at least four or five formats out there right now. And how do you communicate? How do you know the right way to communicate? And how do you make sense of all this data? And as you start looking at it from that direction, it beca- you know it just becomes alphabet soup because if I buy what you know, if you think of a manufacturing line. If I buy one set of machines from one vendor and then I buy a different set of machines from a different vendor, how do I get them to talk to each other? And how do I draw those relationships up to actually find the information I need to make my processes better and know when there's a problem and head it off before it actually happens? And this becomes where people, you know, people and expertise are going to become very important to the enterprise. Paul Madsen, thoughts on this? Tower of Babel, agree, disagree? Well, I, I definitely agree that's the current reality. You know, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. qualified to talk to the advantages of Zigbee over, you know, Wi-Fi, et cetera. Um, but, you know, we touched on it earlier. An enterprise may try to impose a, a single radio stack on everything that they buy, you know, all the things that they acquire. And then they might think, okay, we're done because we're, we're going to, impose this standardized stack um, on in, anything that we bring into our enterprise, but but it ignores the reality of business partners who might choose a different stack, and I just don't think we can expect that those silos would, would be able to stay clean and, and untouched. So I, I think I don't expect, you know, we're going to come up with a single radio tech or a single application uh, protocol. You know, Brian talked about the radio protocols, but there's comparable alphabet soup at the application layer, whether it's MQTT or CoAP or XMTP, etc. Um, pretty much the only thing that I'm reasonably 
confident about is at, is at the identity stack, where the, the IoT community doesn't seem to yet have gone and introduced all those different standards. Maybe we'll get there soon. Ben Robbins, thoughts before we go to our predictions round, please? I think that if, uh, you know, 50 years ago someone would have said, hey, we, we need to standardize on uh, mainframe and all of our technologies need to connect into m- mainframe, uh, that company would be out of business. I think that when you limit yourself to a technology and don't, you know, openly welcome and admit that uh, it, it's, it's a plethora of of constant of, of plethora of technologies, it's a constant evolution. Those who you know adapt or die, uh, you're just going to be left behind. So I you know I, I think that we got to figure out we've got to figure out how to how to how to be how to win how to be victorious in the mess right and 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 and, and yeah there are you know some short term wins you can do by kind of limiting in the short term, but you definitely got to keep your mind open and and constantly be looking for what's coming next how is this how is this improving how is technology improving and how do we Im- in, in return improve by by leveraging it to be prepared is half the victory sounds go. good to me there we go thank you Cervantes now uh, we have got oh let's see about seven minutes left eight minutes left to the end of the show I know the three of you have a lot to predict I'm hoping you've polished off the crystal ball you certainly had enough warning I don't know whether you keep it in the attic in the back of the boat in the trunk of the car if you found one by the side of the road but I'm very curious so I'm going to give you each a full two minutes for your predictions Paul Madsen at Ping Identity. We'll start with you, Paul. Can you see clearly on IoT and the enterprise and everything we've been talking about today here uh, it, to the year 2020, or do you have a better time you'd like to predict? I'll give you two minutes. Why don't you start now? 2020. Um, no, I can't see clearly, but uh, that won't stop me from predicting. Um, <laughs> so I think by 2020, um, we'll just take it for granted that that an enterprise will have reasonable visibility into every machine that that they're concerned with, that they either own or that some business partner owns um, that impacts their, their business. And that visibility is going to include where it is, uh, what it's doing, its current status, is it about to break down, uh, is it full of fuel, etc. Um, it also have visibility into the employees that... Um, interact with those things. We, we touched mm-hmm. on it when we talked about that authentication scenario where um, Brian was walking from one building to the other and the enterprise was aware of that. Um, clearly, that creates privacy risks. We didn't really touch mm-hmm. on privacy as much today. Um, but all that visibility and information and data that the enterprise hopefully will be able to justify collecting um, is going to be very powerful um, in enabling new business processes, but potentially also um, enabling new privacy risks. Okay, Paul, I have a question for you. Talking about privacy, the authentication example we had, will employees accept this? Will they be happy with it? Will it be something that's welcomed by, we now have five generations, I've heard, working side by side in most big companies. Who will this? Who will say yes, no, or OMG, let me out of here, I didn't want the job that badly in the first place, when they find out every step they take is being tracked and somebody knows where they are? Big brother, big sister, big mommy and daddy. Quickly, Paul, what do you think? Uh, yeah, some, some users are, are more sensitive to that risk and, and might reject it, and 
perfectly fine and perfectly valid. Um, there are ways to apply this sort of passive continuous authentication model in a manner that respects privacy. I think we've got to develop those ways and educate users as to why their privacy is still respected. Make sure they know what's going on and what isn't going on, importantly, what the enterprise learns and what they don't learn. Thank you very much. Eloquent as always, Ben Robbins at Palador. And Ben, you certainly are our tweeter extraordinaire today. Can't believe how many times you tweeted and I retweeted every time. So, Ben, what do you see coming down the pike? Do you like 2020 for predictions or what can you see? Well, I think, 20, I think 2020 is fun and fine because about, you know, I think it was, I don't know if it was five or six years ago, maybe it was a little bit more. There was, um, and I'm going to go backwards to go forwards, if you permit me a little bit of the left uh, way there. All right, so there, uh, you know, I'm a big James Bond fan, and, um, you know, I was watching a James Bond movie, and, you know, Judy Dench had a line where she said, um, you know, we know where this person is, or the villain or something, by, by GPS. And then she said, that's global positioning satellite. Like, she had to go and actually explain what mm-hmm. GPS is. Whereas if you watch that movie today, you'd be like, Judy, what the hell are you doing? We all know what GPS is. I have on my phone. I, I talked to my mom about it. Like, what, I don't even understand why you're even talking about it. And so, you know, to, to make the connection, I think it's the same thing with things. I think right now we're like, wow, my refrigerator's connected to the in- Internet. And I think in like five, ten years we'll be like, what, what, what do you mean? Why isn't my refrigerator connected to the Internet? Like, we won't even talk about you know, it won't be a subject to discuss, just like with mobile. I don't, you know, I think that whole vernacular as, as calling it other and calling it something else, it will cease to be creepy, move to be cool, and, and really just, just become part of um, our everyday experience. And therefore, uh, you know, it, it would be the, 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 not the norm that it wasn't connected. And, and because of that, I think from a, predictive, a predictability perspective, um, I think that organizations will will uh, be in a much better position and much better poised to uh, host a, a mix of devices across the enterprise. I think that they will um, uh, be in a much better position to to keep track of data as as from a continuum perspective rather than as a you know as an event perspective you know as a, as a thing as a, as, a, as a separate siloed thing. Um, I think we're going to see. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of trip ups. I think there's going to be um, a lot of security breaches, both uh, malicious and you know not malicious. You know, from, just from mm-hmm. you know people just kind of doing things and 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 not realizing, and and it's going to be a little painful. And you know, companies, uh, you know, maybe even potentially a downfall of a company because there's such such a major breach. And that um, I think that Paul uh, has great job security for a long time. Okay, and there's a couple of uh, wonderful quotable moments in there, uh, Ben. You said things will cease to be creepy and move to be cool. I like that. i got to write that on the side of a building when nobody's looking tonight. Brian M. Katz, the M is back. We have exactly two minutes to end. I'm giving you 90 precious seconds, so predict fast. Go ahead, Brian Katz. Um, well, I think that I do agree with Ben. I think the creepy will become cool. I think new stuff will become creepy. And, yeah, as we look at what's coming in five years, I think what's creepy, we haven't thought of the things that are going to be creepy in five years. Um, I think that the scenarios we're talking about, constant um, authentication and being able to walk down a hall, I think that stuff is going to be commonplace. Um, I also think that we're going to start seeing lawsuits from privacy breaches and companies that are using personal data incorrectly or um, ways that they probably shouldn't be doing it, and we're going to see those. But I think, you know, 
in the whole sense, I think in the next five or six years, what we're going to start seeing is people making much, much better decisions and doing things ways that they hadn't even thought mm-hmm. about because they have so much data and they've actually figured out how to get better answers out of that data. And we're going to see new manufacturing processes, new people processes, and just new ways to move forward day to day, which is stuff we don't see right now. Thank you, Brian and Katz. I think we need to start a new series called Processes with Game Changers or Processes Because of Game Changers. Guess what? I have a couple of predictions, but first I have a shout-out to somebody named Steve Wilson who goes by at Steve underscore Lockstep, L-O-C-K-S-T-E-P. He's quoting Palador Benjamin at hashtag SAP Radio. Thank you, Steve, and thanks for the follow. Guess what? My predictions very quickly. Uh, well, this is the end of my broadcast week for various reasons, but next Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, Digital World with Game Changers will be back, and Tuesday at noon Eastern, we're debuting the fifth of our five new series called Game Changing Women. If you're curious about what real women in real business think about Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In, we're going to find out. Great panel discussion. I think it's going to be a debate. Wednesday, I'll be back with Coffee Break with Game Changers in the morning. In the afternoon, the Customer Edge with Game Changers. And Thursday, the Future of Business with Game Changers. And who knows what else is going to happen. Paul Madsen, thank you. Ben Robbins, thank you. Brian Katz, thank you very much. Our sponsors at SAP, Darren Crowder and Ira Burke, who's traveling, thank you. Matt and the Business Channel team, thank you. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you Tuesday on Digital World with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.